0: This is the John Clayton Show
1: on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Get in on the conversation at 866 979 ESPN. Now, here's your host,
1: the Professor
0: John Clayton. 866
2: 979 ESPN, 206 421 ESPN. Let's go to Jet. Jet, how are you? Dr. John, I'm well today. How are you doing? Ah, doing well. How about you?
3: Well, I'm hoping that we put the turkey behind us and we can now start moving forward with our developmental plan. Yeah, and let's start getting some of the rookies back into the lineup and see what we can develop for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, what are, what did they, they have to like five start before Michael Carter got hurt at running back? Weren't they up to like about five starters on uh, that were rookies?
3: On uh, uh, the entire the entire team, they had, they're starting seven. Seven, okay. Um, there was up to seven, but, uh, of course, that's a fluid thing on defense. Yeah. But um, they were up to seven is the most they had. Um, but, you know, that's a lot. But they, they by far exceed every other team with snaps uh, for rookies this season. Right. I mean, it's almost like almost one and a half times the next closest team, and the rest aren't even close. So uh, they're, they're, you know, they're obviously playing a lot of kids. Um, but uh, the second half – well, the rest of the schedule is uh, – you know, it's very favorable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they they got the Texans, you know, Eagles. They play the Dolphins again, the Jags. So they could end up, you know, winning two or three of those games potentially. But it's going to be, one, a decent litmus test to see how they stack up against the other bottom feeders
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, to see kind of how the progress is. But basically, they, I just, you know, hope that they just keep plugging in, particularly on offense, because that's where they really spent the most time trying to develop. You know, get Wilson back in this week. they got to get Becton back in that lineup um, and let him start working with Vera Tucker.
1: Right. And
3: uh, uh, let's see go, going forward because, you know, I, I think LaFleur is, is flourishing as a uh, as a coordinator. Um, and, you know, we've seen signs of life when you got people that know how to run the offense. So I do think that that offense is not – you know what? I just – I saw a stat. I think it was from uh, either Semeni or Costello. I don't remember which. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last four weeks, since Wilson's been hurt, guess which team in the NFL has uh, averaged the most yards those four weeks?
5: Yes, that's right.
3: Really? The New York Jets. Wow. I I, I was flabbergasted. Uh, Yeah, like 432 yards, I think a game they were averaging. Um, Something along that Mm -hmm. that line. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if and what Zach Wilson learned when he was on the bench. Um, hopefully he'll dial it back in and stop playing Mahomes ball, and uh, start playing within the system. And uh, let's let's see let's see what happens. It's going to be an interesting week against the Texans because you know they'll give him a basic you know cover two. So let's see what he does
2: with it. What do you think of the uh, COVID nineteen with Mike White getting the positive test and an unvaccinated Joe Flacco getting COVID uh, you know contact? You know. Ah,
3: it's, 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 it's frustrating. You know, I, I, I don't understand how these guys, especially they're vaccinated, mm-hmm. keep coming up with, 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 with COVID. I mean, are they just not taking precautions in the first place? Uh, that seems to be very frustrating. And then, you know, I mean, Flacco's not vaccinated. They must have known this before they well, they knew before I traded for him because he had to sit out before he could join the team. Right. Um, you know, at some point, John, it's just irresponsible um it's irresponsible from the top down uh and, and I, I i i'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this whole vaccination thing yeah uh get the damn get the damn shots and move forward Let, let's put this thing behind us
2: mm-hmm. uh
3: and until and until everybody buys into it we're just going to have these residual problems
2: i agree i mean I, it, I i don't understand that either
3: you know i mean come on what is it that you're trying to do what is it you're trying to prove and uh you know, I, I mean, you get these guys, and it's like, you know, God knows what they put in their bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, these A H G H and all this other stuff, so they can bounce back. You know, uh, legal steroids or whatever you want to call them, to keep them bouncing back and whatnot. But but they won't take these these these, these uh you know these vaccinations. I mean, it's just it, I I just don't get it. I I, well, I don't really want to go there. Um, yeah. but it's just frustrating, and it, it, it's, it's unnecessary. I tell you, if I was if I was the Packers. I'd have been furious with with Rogers.
2: Oh, don't you think they are?
0: Well, I mean, he like, be. and if
3: I, not just the organization, but if I am his teammates, I'd be pissed.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: because not only I mean he just flat out lied to everybody, right? And, and it's one thing if you okay, if you want to take the stand, you want to be the Cole Beasley. Okay, fine. Don't take this. Okay, fine. All right. At least we know where you are, where you stand, whatever. But don't uh, you know? But don't try to you know parse syllables here and try to get around something and just be, you know, too too cool for school and too cute
5: mm-hmm. and
3: uh, and do what Rodgers did. I, I think he did a grave disservice to his team.
2: Agreed. Well, and it cost him a game. Yeah. He yeah. ended up losing a game and, you know, because
3: of it. And they're darn lucky. And quite frankly, if I'm the rest of the league, I'd have been furious that he, he wasn't suspended.
2: hmm
3: You know, the, Saints, the, the, the the
2: Yeah, but that's the practice. thing. I mean, it's like the way that uh, the, the rules are... With the Players Association, you really can't suspend him. You can fine him because he could be fined up to fifty thousand dollars, but you can't suspend them.
3: Yeah, I know, but it just—I would be furious. It, you're, but hey, one game is a lot, especially when you're, you know, when you're in the Packers, and you're in the hunt. It's mm-hmm. the hunt as tight as it is. Uh, one game's too many, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, a toe is one thing; not getting a shot's another. Mm-hmm. Especially in the NFL, where they shoot you up for just about everything. I don't know, John. What's, what's your what's your take of the Jets here going the rest of the way out? What are you going to be looking for? What do you want to see out of them?
2: I mean, just some improvement on the offensive line. You know, it's like uh, I'd like to see some improvement at wide receiver. I'd like to see some improvement on defense, but I don't know about that, if that can happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Defensively, they're just so young, and they don't have much at linebacker, and the secondary I'm not sold on. You know, it's like it's a, there's so many questions on this team because, you know, you look at a team and it's like in a two, three year rebuilding process.
3: Yeah. Yep. And uh, you're smack dab in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, they're, they're playing a lot of kids. So you're going to get it. But I think, to be honest with you, uh, the Dolphin game, I was impressed with for this reason. You know, we talked about previously how Sal's big job is going to try to keep everybody on the same page. Right. And on, on their page. And the defense, it's, it's just like uh, these guys were off the plan, especially the, the defensive linemen. I mean, there was no discipline, no gap discipline whatsoever. And uh, they dialed that back in against mm-hmm. the Dolphins. Now, I also don't know, you know, level of competition. Okay, fine. But be that, that, be that as it may, they were exerting, you know, their one-gap discipline. They were setting edges. Um, they had dialed the discipline part back in on the defense. And that to me is very important because, you know, what is Sal's biggest challenge? Keeping these guys to buy in. And, uh, the Dolphin game was definitely a game where they, it seems like uh, they were back, they were back on track in that regard. Now they should have won the game, quite frankly. Um, but that game was lost at several different levels. A lot of immaturity, some couple of bad penalties. And just some terrible clock management yet mm-hmm. again. Um, so we're seeing the growing pains with the coaching staff as well. And they gave that game away. But I will say that uh, the Dolphins game is more of what I was wanting to see during the course of the year in which they're playing better. They're making stupid mistakes, which you expect, um, all from the top down. But um, they they're playing reasonably well. They were showing signs of life uh so i'm curious to see if they're going to be able to carry that forward especially because they got the texans and eagans eagles the saints and the dolphins and the jags back to back to back to back to back so you know they've got some favorable matchups here they shouldn't be blown out the next four or five weeks
2: yeah 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 so i mean you got to get a couple wins out of this thing because again it's just been a bad season i mean certainly it'll affect their draft position but i don't think they care about that i think at some point you're just going to think about winning particularly with a new coach
3: yeah, because you gotta, again, you gotta build the culture and the culture has to have, you know, you, you, you have to have some positives. You know, I mean, you can't just say, oh, we lost 27-24 and, but darn, we played hard. You know, at some yeah. point you gotta start winning. I mean, just look what it did for the team last year, although it killed their, you know, it killed their draft status, but just what it did in that clubhouse, uh, when they, they, they did win their game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the stuff you gotta start building. Building on, there's got to be some cheese at the end of the mouse trap. So a couple of wins would be nice, um and those hey, they're still going to be in the top five as far yeah, as draft. agree. So, you know, so okay, if it's you know three or four instead of you know two or you know whatever, that that's fine. You're still going to get a decent draft picks out of it, and uh I'm more anxious to see where the Seahawks finish up. Mm-hmm. Um, because that could be a, if they you know keep wallowing in the particular mire that they're in, that could be a particularly large boon for the Jets at the draft. Oh yeah,
2: I mean you know two potentially two picks in the top ten, that could certainly help.
3: That could definitely turn things around. The other thing, last thought is the one thing I've been I've, I've watched the Dolphins now a little bit the last couple of weeks, and I, I'm given the amount of tremendous draft capital they've had the last what two three years. Yeah. And of course, they have the next year or so going forward. I'm kind of surprised they're not as more loaded on talent as, as I thought they were going to be. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you probably know more about the Dolphins than I do. But uh, uh, I, I'm just. I, I, I'm a little disappointed in what what they've got going so far.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Understandable that defense.
2: Yeah, because again, what what you're looking at is that uh, they just don't seem to be uh, in sync with. Uh, you know, because I, I think what's happened is that uh, they've done a bad job of management because they've given away too much, given away too much talent. I mean, what last year they signed Calvin Oj, big money. They end up cutting him and he goes to uh, New England and uh, he's helping out New England as a backup. Then I mean, you look at the receivers they've given up in the last couple of years, the lack of running backs where they're always trying to pick up running backs because they don't have enough. I, I just I just shake my head and say, what are you guys doing? And their offensive line is not very strong. No, it isn't good at all. No,
3: and that that surprises me the most because I mean, you know, it was tank for Tua, blah blah blah, and of course they've gone through the nonsense of trying to court uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, and that's you know got to make it awkward in the, in the locker room for Tua. But it seemed to me that I mean, and they've had the draft. They've had the draft capital.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, if, if you're going to spend the spend the capital on on, on a quarterback, you know. Also spend it to protect them, right? I mean, it goes it goes hand in glove. And if you're not going to do that, that just makes absolutely no sense. And that seems to be what they've done.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The other thing I don't understand is their defenses that they play. Yeah, they seem incredibly reckless. Mm-hmm. Incredibly reckless. No, I understand they've got decent, you know, decent secondary, and now that that's clear. But man, talk about leaving them on an island and an awful lot of gambling. It just seems to be way, way too. Uh, yeah risky defenses that they play. It seems very strange in their strategy.
2: It does. Hey, Jed, thank you for the phone call.
3: All right, take care, John. Uh, we'll see what we get against the Texans, and uh, we may uh, we may come back with a W. Let's see.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN 421 ESPN. Let's go to Connie in Seattle. Hey, Connie.
0: Oh, hi, John. Hey, how are we doing? Good. It's a first time caller, but well, I've been thank listening you. to you for years. Um. I have a question that I've noticed about Russell. Um, Ever since his mental coach passed away, it just seems like he doesn't have anybody to talk to about his struggles and things. And I don't know. Have you noticed anything like that?
2: Now, now who are we talking about?
0: Uh, Russell Wilson and his mental coach passing away.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's got enough support right now that, uh, you know, it certainly does hurt because he gets so tight with the uh, people that he works with but again he has so many different people that he has as consultants but uh you know I, I don't know if it plays into anything other than the fact that he lost somebody that he cares about a lot
0: yeah yeah i've just seen his demeanor on the sideline a little bit different um also can i ask you a couple questions about the defense of course um so when we played green bay um, after the game, Aaron Rodgers said, yeah, they played all this different stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. notice it. And then the following week, we go back to our same defense. I don't understand why we don't mix it up more.
2: Mm, they mix it up a little bit. I mean, they, they use some uh, seven defensive backs. You know, they try to use a little bit more of a, some occasionally some hybrid type stuff. I mean, they mix it up, but right now... Uh, the defense hasn't been the problem. It's been the offense that's been the problem more so than the defense. And then what ends up happening is the defense is on the field for 72.4 plays a game, and they wear down by the middle of the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, I agree on that. Um, I don't think they're using Jamal Adams as well as they could be. I watch him line up on the line, and he just tries to rush in, and he runs into the blockers mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, of course, I think you know, what's happened is obviously uh, deep, uh, offenses are a little bit more aware of him, you know, because of how good he was last year with the blitz, and so now they anticipate that he's going to blitz, and so they try to pick him up. But uh, yeah, they they you know they need to find more ways to get Jamal to do better things. You know, I think he's doing okay, particularly in the last month or so. But again, they need more from Jamal Adams.
0: And also, do you think some of the offensive struggles? Um, are because that Russell doesn't look for the shorter pass and go, wants to go deep a lot. I mm-hmm. noticed that he threw into double coverage several times in the Arizona game.
2: Yeah, I think, I think uh, that's the case in the last two games, you know, because, uh, you know, knowing <coughs> that you know, he still can throw deep and he throws well to throw deep. But again, I mean, you risk so much because, you know, you like to have that rhythm with the short passes and you're not getting that rhythm. And so I think that, you know, they need to kind of shorten some things up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, John.
2: Hey, Connie, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, Two zero six four two one espn John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, Two zero
2: six four two one espn Let's go to Ed in Shoreline. Hey, Ed.
5: Morning, JC. Good morning. Um, happy belated, uh, yeah, happy belated Thanksgiving to you and Pat. Hope it was a good one, and hope you had a good date night last night.
2: Yeah, we did. Had a good one.
5: Very good. Awesome. She well, enjoyed things, it a lot. Uh, looking, yeah, awesome. Where'd you go? Where uh, we you actually go went anywhere? to we actually go went you, to you
2: Dino's, go. which is like three minutes away from where we live. And what's nice about Dino's is that Pat likes the food. She was able to get a impossible burger, which is a you know because she doesn't eat meat, but it's a non meat burger. She liked that a lot. And then the great part is uh, they're nice enough to put the uh, the quiz channel like tap on the uh, middle TV. Uh, uh, in and so both Pat and our caregiver Lou were able to go and you know try to answer some of the quiz questions, and they just had a blast with that. Now we went earlier because again the worry was with the apple cup that uh, we thought that there would be a big crowd, which there was, and uh, we wanted to get there early, so number one, we'd get a seat, and then number two, you know, we'd get there early enough that we weren't going to be delayed in the food service because, again, you're going to have so many people ordering food, it was going to be you know so delayed, so that worked out real well, but you know she had a great time. That's like the third time now in the last like six weeks or so we've gone there to Dino's, and she loved it.
5: That's great. I'm glad uh, you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad things worked out with the Impossible Burger. Some of those uh, non-meat burgers uh, are really quite tasty.
2: Uh-huh.
5: Well, John, so are we headed toward the bottom of the doldrums of sports in Seattle again since uh, before the Seahawks' uh, second Super Bowl run? This looks uh, pretty tough right now. It uh, does. And they're talking about going 7-0 and from now on. That seems... Uh, Like quite a bit of a stretch but uh, time will tell obviously
2: yeah it doesn't look good i mean obviously tomorrow is the defining game because if you lose that you're three and eight and you're done you're not going to go anywhere so it's like they've got to be able to win in washington and you know washington's in the same boat they've got to be able to win too and so you put the two together i mean this is a desperation game for both teams You know, uh, know, Washington's defense, which was number two in the league last year, is now one of the worst in football for whatever reason. And then uh, you look at Seattle, they're just so bad on offense. You know, in fact, I'm sitting here writing something for 710sports.com. And, you know, I know I talked to one of the coaches this week in the league and they said, you know, this this league right now is a league of third down conversions and red zone success. Well, I'm just looking at, uh, you know, the third down conversions and Seattle's like 32.4 conversion rate, which is the second worst in football, just ahead of Jacksonville. And then on red zone, they're in the bottom five or six and they only, they've got 16 touchdowns in the red zone, but they've only had 24 opportunities, which is one of the worst. And so you put both together and you can see why this offense is only getting like 55 plays a game. Is not doing well. It's not scoring points, and it's been horrible.
5: Yeah, it really has, John. Um, at the Arizona game last week, that was really a big disappointment. Um, I was really glad to be there, though, yeah. and you know, being able to look at uh, what Russ is actually seeing downfield, since you don't really see that on mm-hmm. TV very well. But uh, you know, I would echo. Uh, I believe it was Connie, your previous caller there, that talks about is Russ unwilling to take the shorter passes, and the guys that sit next to me were going on and on about the fact that uh, he won't take the shorter passers. He wants to keep pushing it downfield, and you go back to the days of Joe Montana. It's like he used to use the short passes to stimulate the running game. And uh, I go back to my theme of last week and won't get off of it till they uh, actually do this. The Seahawks are unable to execute a screen pass. And on the other side of the ball, they're getting killed by the screen pass.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's football right now. Because, again, it's like you want to – got a mobile quarterback – And you want to try to get into a rhythm, and you can get into a rhythm when you're throwing the shorter passes and, you know, taking five-step drops and three-step drops and things like that, where if you're throwing the longer passes, just more like seven-step drops, and that's where you leave yourself in trouble. Too many sacks, four sacks last week,
5: that wasn't good. Agreed. It's like... uh... A few days have passed now, and so all the people wanting Carroll's head uh, last uh, Sunday have kind of died down. No, bit. they haven't.
2: No, they they yeah.
5: I mean, uh-huh. they still want Pete fired. No, you don't think that.
2: Oh no, it's like it's crazy. I mean, it's like they want Pete fired. Uh, they want every they want everybody
5: fired. It's
2: like what what, what are you going to do? It's like you're going to completely rebuild the franchise. Like, uh, it's
5: ridiculous. You'll have uh, no coaches at all. I mean. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not on the bandwagon. I'm saying that uh, Pete's a bad coach. I mean, he is not a bad coach. I mean, he's you know going to be a Hall of Fame coach, as you say uh, over and over again. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you kind of wonder if he doesn't pull things together here, if he should just say, well, you know, I had a good run. It's like at some point, John, the same message uh, just doesn't resonate like it used to. And after you've been at the same place for. So long, you know, things just uh lose their effectiveness. That's just uh you know, it's uh moving toward the mean, if you will, regression to the mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I'll tell
2: you, I mean, again, it's like um, take a look at the big picture, right? Okay, they won twelve games last year. They've only missed one chance to go to the playoffs since Pete's been here. Then uh you look at Bill Belichick. So Bill Belichick, you know, let uh, Tom Brady go, and Tom Brady leaves, and they win seven games. I mean, you know, say what you want about the, the schedule and the record and everything else. You know, in the end, this team's going to win, if the very least, six or seven games because of the way the schedule is. I mean, they're not going to lose to Chicago, Detroit, and Houston. We'll see how they do against Washington. But it's like, uh, yeah, and, they may, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. I mean, it's, it looks pretty questionable at that regard but if they win seven wins it's like okay this is the same as new england last year and it's like should should bill belichick have stepped down no
5: no i mean i agree but uh you know i think that things need to be changed uh, i think everyone would agree with that and um before i uh before you let me go i do want to say something about the raiders game and um i really can't say enough about uh and you've already said it uh, oh. as well. And I don't know if Raider Jim was on already. He was not, no. I, if so, I missed him. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the work that Derek Carr is doing for the Raiders is just phenomenal. I mm-hmm. mean, he truly mm-hmm. is a warrior, as you've said. And I just was so impressed uh, at, uh, you know, how he gathered the team. And they were productive uh, on virtually every drive. I mean, they maybe had like one three and out. Yeah. Uh, like every situation where they look like they're backed up and things are going to be difficult. He just came through like it was mm-hmm. unbelievable.
2: No doubt. I mean, no, I, I give him a lot of credit because you think about the issues he's had at wide receiver, you know, the issues he's had with you know injuries to Jacobs in the secondary or in the running back, the offensive line problems. I mean, he's been a warrior and I think that, you know, the fact that he was able to pull out that win was huge. And so now Hey, say what you want. They still have a chance to maybe get a wild card or two, and they're back in the playoff hunt. Hey, Ed, thank you for the phone call.
5: Hey, have a great Saturday, John.
2: All right, thank you. Hey, Jeff and Kent, stay on the line. We're going to come back to you. We're going to take a break. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
2: Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Jeff in Kent. Hey
1: Jeff. Hey John. Yes. Hey John, it was a great day yesterday. Christmas comes early to the Palouse.
2: I know. How about that win?
1: Forty. That was. 40, the, that's got to be the best Apple Cup since the Snowball.
2: <laughs> Forty to thirteen. I mean, it was an absolute one-sided blowout.
1: My. The two, the two things that stick in my mind most about that game was first off the two, the three middle-aged Husky fans in the stands in the fourth quarter. The two guys looked interested, and the woman looked like she had a turd underneath her nose.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And the other thing is watching Delora take the Cougar flag and just stab it in the heart of that Husky W with midfield after the game. That was a beautiful sight.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, what you wait seven years for? a uh, you know, eight, well, I guess you could say eight years for a game like that, and then just to be rewarded, I mean, that had to be huge. So now what do you think happens with the Washington State uh, interim coach? Does he get the full-time
1: job? It depends on what happens in the next game or so because right now I am a big beaver believer. I want those flat-tailed river rats to kick the quack out of those ducks and send the Cougs to the Pac-12 title game against Utah. Mm-hmm. And then we get a good ball. And if he wins that and wins the ball, yeah, I'll give him the job.
2: Yeah, but I tell you what, he's done a great job. Uh, they seem to be well organized. They seem to be on the same page. And I'm, I'm just impressed with the offense. I mean, the offense. obviously the defense did a good job, but I'm really impressed with the way that the offense has been able to work.
1: Well, it would have been worse if you if you take away or give Borky that 60-yard touchdown run on that, that weak holding call that ref called. I mean, that was so bad. The guy wasn't anywhere near the play, and they call holding on him just for.
4: Hmm.
1: That, that was so bad. But you take, he had that on, and then you take a uh, couple of the field goals that they kicked, you know, that were down at the goal line, you turn those into touchdowns. This thing could have been an absolute rout. And I just loved every minute of it.
2: I can imagine you would. I mean, it had to be. Oh, a... yeah.
1: Just watching the Huskies just go down in flames and watching Sheward. Because, I can't stand the Hewitts. I'm sorry, but I can't stand them. No, they're, they're, I mean, just,
2: they're, they're close um, friends. So it's like, uh, I can't, I can't endorse that.
1: I, I know, but I can't stand them. I've been having to deal with the Hewerts and yeah. listening to him on TV and radio and everything. And just watching them pump up that kid and watching him get picked up four times. It's just going to be, can't wait for next year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so, I'm just so happy. And it's so good. You know, Christmas comes early to the Palouse and, now we get to watch the Cougar basketball team just break through the Pac-12, and will barring injuries or some kind of meltdown, that Cougar basketball team is just going to kick the crud out of the Pac-12.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they got everything on that team. They got the shooting guards, they got the bench, they got depth, they got the the front a big front line that's just tough and strong, and it's it's just going to be just like. Watching this Apple Cup, watching this Cougar basketball season is going to be a joy to watch.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, it's been a great year for Washington State. I mean, I don't think anybody totally expected it like this, but I mean, it looks so good and so enjoyable, and it's like it's one of those things where it's like, hey, just sit back and enjoy
1: it. Well, who would have thought that we got a chance, a shot at the at the 12 North title after everything they've gone through? It's we actually got a shot at a title game with Utah. If the if the on Beavers will do their job,
2: the question is, can they do it?
1: They can, they can. That's a good Beaver team. If they step up, they can do it. The Duck team is overrated. I think um, it's just they're living on their reputation and name. They're a team, but not as good as everybody's, you know, portraying them to be.
2: They sure didn't yeah, look they good beat, last week. They looked terrible.
1: They beat they beat the Dogs. They beat the Cougs, but you know. They're not that good. They're beatable. And just if if the stars align right and the Cougs can go and beat Utah and get a class bowl game and they wind up being ranked Mm -hmm. this year, because if they beat, you know, after this game and what happens today, there's a good chance they could sneak into that 24, 25.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and then it just, then you're just up the ladder. And Galora. Watching him just pick apart the Huskies last night. I mean, the throws he was making. That kid's got an arm on him. The out, the, the wide and out throws that he was making to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. If he didn't have enough of those things, a couple of those could have been picked. But, you know, and watching that Coup defense just tear apart. I mean, look at what the Huskies had. Where They have like under 20 yards total rushing for the game. Right, right. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just all I can say is it's just a beautiful day. Beautiful holidays, and hope you have a good Christmas and a good holidays, John. And all I can say is go kooks and dogs can suck it.
2: <laughs> there you go. Hey, Jeff, thank you for the phone call. Let's go to Rich in Monroe. Hey, Rich.
4: Hey, John, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, so I understand we're still mathematically possible to get that uh, uh, wild card, correct? Yeah, they can. Okay. Yeah, because again what you're
2: looking at right now particularly with New Orleans floundering <clears throat> is that uh, you only have 5 teams right now with winning records in the NFC and so with that in mind, you know the 6th and 7th spots are re- reasonably open and so you can anticipate that if you have 9 wins, you know you may get one of the two spots. Uh, that can be there so if this team can find a way to get the nine wins then they have a chance to make it there's a, maybe an outside chance and an eight win team could get in there but in the end i mean the chance is there but they've got to start winning
4: right so we okay because i thought maybe like if we lost one more it was that was it there's just no way
2: no there's i mean there's way but i mean you know what what plays in their schedule and that's why I'd, Uh, the Washington game is so important. And the Arizona game was important, too, because, you know, the way this schedule goes, you've got Washington right now. They had a losing record this year, losing record uh, this year. And then you've got uh, uh, Houston, Chicago, and Detroit. They're all winnable games. So that could get you to seven if you can win the Washington game tomorrow. And then you needed to go two and two in the division. That's why the Arizona game was so disappointing because now – you lose that game, and can you go 2-2 two and two in the division? And right now, I think that's going to be difficult.
4: Yeah, I have a feeling about that, too. Yeah. Now, if 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 for some reason we, we are mathematically out, do you think they'll just bench Russell for the rest of the season? No, I don't think so. so risk, in no. in, risk injury? No, I don't think so. Well, what would be the point of playing him he's, if we can't
2: He's the starting quarterback. He's not going to want that. If you bench him, he's going to want to get out of here. I mean, it's like he's the starting quarterback, and he loves playing the game, and he cares so much about, you know, winning, being on the team, and all that stuff. He's not going to concede that. Right. You bench him, you lose him. Simple as that.
4: But then you also risk injury for no reason.
2: Well, it's like, it's, for again, it's like you you injuries are all part of the game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers right. is playing with the uh, toe injury, and you got injuries all around the league for quarterbacks and stuff like that. <clears throat> but, again, the starting quarterbacks want to play.
4: Oh, no, I totally agree with you. I just was curious what Pete might do. I mean, you bench him,
2: you lose him. Simple as that. You, 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 you I mean, he doesn't want to sit there and watch on the sidelines.
4: Well, of course not. I wouldn't want to either.
2: No. So it's like, why bench yeah. him? I don't see the reason.
4: Right. Yeah.
2: I mean again, it's like it's a finger injury. He can play. He's been cleared to play. He may not be playing great, but he still can play.
4: Right. Okay, well thanks Sean, I appreciate your input. Okay, thank you.
2: 866979 ESPN 206421 ESPN John Clayton shows 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
2: 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Steve in Skyway. Hey, Steve.
6: Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. Good. How are you? All right. Uh, First off, the other side of the uh, Jeff conversation you had, uh, you're talking to one pissed off Husky fan this morning. Understandable. What that interim coach did to uh, those kids yesterday was criminal. Starting... Sam Hewitt, he's going to be a good player, but he's not ready.
2: Uh huh. And emotionally, I think that was pretty evident yesterday.
6: Yeah, and emotionally, he gutted the team by not giving them a chance. The the kid, the kid that he benched, had beat Hewitt out, so he should have been the starter. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to go to another subject. Um, Let me ask you, what percentage do you think of the NFL offensive offensive coordinators in the league right now are what I call script boys, just 15 play scripted? Scenario that they do? I'd say probably
2: 90%. 90%? Yeah.
6: Because my question was, excuse me, was it seems like I watched the game two weeks ago when Cleveland uh, was playing New England. Mm -hmm. And for the first six plays, the Cleveland coach ran DeArnest Johnson behind that great offensive line they got. Yeah. And he was averaging 10 yards a carry. And then he went away from it and started having. Baker throw all over the field, and the next thing you know, they, they get dusted 45-6 to six or whatever it mm-hmm. was. So, so these coaches actually accept this as a good way to run their offenses, huh?
2: They do, yeah, because, again, you, you plan it out. You may make an adjustment or two as the game goes on, but, again, if you have this 15-play script, I mean, you try to follow it as best you can because you figure, hey, we spend the whole week looking at the opponent's defense, we see where the holes we think are and then try to execute it so that you can try to, uh, to move the football. But of course, I mean, you know, the big problem with Kevin Stefanski in that game, despite the success of the third string running back is that he was a third string running back. And, you know, the uh, Stefanski offense is so dependent on the run. And then of course, I mean, you try to set it up so that, I mean, you've got Baker Mayfield trying to throw the ball, but again, it's like uh, Baker Mayfield has just been too hurt.
6: Right. Right. And then, I also wanted to ask you um, about the Seahawks owner, uh, Jody Allen. Yeah. Could you share with us what you know about what kind of management style does she have? Is she impulsive? Is she pragmatic? And then as far as the owners go, usually in the owners there's certain cliques. There's mm-hmm. certain owners that hang together. Is there anyone that she particularly knows or hangs with? Or does she go it. to the owners'
2: meetings? I don't even know if she goes – well, we haven't really had too many owners' meetings in the last year and a half because of the COVID-19 but, uh, I mean, she pretty much takes a position that she's going to let the football people run the football operation, kind of like Paul did. You know, because Paul, you know, he, he was more involved with the basketball team than he was the football team. I mean, he owned it, but, again, he let the football people run run the team. And
3: okay. Joe, Joe, now, Janita's... you
6: you don't think that, that she's not – you don't – she doesn't strike you as an impulsive person that would
3: – No. Okay.
6: And then the last thing, of course, uh, Battle of the Bands. John. Mm-hmm. Cameo versus Parliament. Uh,
2: I like Parliament. I mean, parliament, par- right on. Yeah, Parliament Funkadelic. I mean.
6: <laughs> okay, my man. Hey, good talking to you. Talk to you next week. All
2: right, Steve. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206 espn Let's go to Bob in Bothell. Hey, Bob.
1: Hey, um, thanks for taking my call, John. I know this is probably going to bother you with this call, but um, I have to say it that I think this era with Pete Carroll and... Schneider, it's over. Oh, you know, I think geez. that. Jeez. You know, now, now let me give you my reason. Okay. You know, I backed it up. Look at from 2016, all the draft picks that we've gotten through Schneider and Pete era. You know, you got Jermaine Orfetti, Rashad Penny, um, Jordan Brooks. Look at that, just right there. Brooks is good compared to. Le- they're not good. Man. No, you're I wrong. Don't Brooks what- is good. Yeah, Brooks is good. Out of the four. And that's it. And then you got Bust, Richard, Penny, uh, Jermaine Orfetti. He plateaued. I mean, yeah, he, he started for four years. For...
2: Your, you got to understand. And I say this every friggin' week. If you're d- going to the playoffs every year, right? Uh, you're dra- and you draft and in losing a 20- in the and, first game. No, you you, you go draft to the we, Can on. I can I speak? Am I allowed to speak okay. here on my radio show? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, but. What do you mean whatever? I mean, it's like uh, what you're looking at is that uh, you're getting a second round pick because there's only going to be 18 to 20 picks in the first round that are going to have first round grades. And so you're getting a second round pick. And so if you can't trade down like John Snyder likes to do and get extra draft choices, then you have to take a guy. But like, for example, you know, you can look at Fetty and say, well, he wasn't any good. He started for four years. You only have a 25% success rate with guys drafted in the 20s. I mean, because, again, for the most part, they're not going to be pro bowlers. For the most part, they're not going to get contract extensions. For the most part, you know, there's a good chance that they could end up being traded before their four years are up on their rookie contracts. It's just a reality. Let's go to Risco in Washington. Bob just dropped off, so hey, Risco. Hey, John. Hey. Yes, so sir. Got
0: some, hello. Yeah, go ahead. So I have some questions for you. Who is the best candidate um, for defensive coordinator?
2: Hmm. I mean, if there's going to be a change for the Seahawks, I would have to think that uh, Gus Bradley would be you know, one of the better choices. Choices. He, you know, because he's, uh, you know, he's with the Raiders. Raiders have fired their coaching staff, or not, no, not fired a coaching staff, but you know John Gruden stepped down. So that I, I think that uh, the fact that he's been here could put him in a position to come back, and you know because he does a good job, he did a good job with the Chargers. He's actually done a good job with the Raiders, uh, and maybe they'll keep him there. But I think that Gus Bradley would be a good choice to be a defensive coordinator if they make a change from Ken Norton Jr.
0: Yeah, and I know the Mariners are in the looks for a starting pitcher. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Will they sign Max Scherzer?
2: Probably not. I mean, I don't see that being the case. I know I didn't take a look closely at the story that the Times had out today, the Seattle Times, but they listed about nine pitchers right now that they're interested in, and – you know, they, they better do something reasonably fast here because, again, there's been like seven that I think have signed, and, you know, you start to run out of ammunition right now if you're trying to get a starter to upgrade the, the pitching staff, and they want to try to get two. So it's like if you're going to be Jerry DiPoto, let's get going. And so what about
0: third baseman?
2: Third baseman? Uh, you know, I haven't looked at the, th- the third base list, but, uh, you know, I mean – they, they've got to do something there or uh, the second base or whatever. So those are the two main areas. I mean, they need a couple hitters, not just one. So they need you know, two hitters, one at second base, third base, and one maybe for uh, first base or DH, and then certainly two starting pitchers.
0: And what are they going to do when Kyle Lewis returns and Jake Fraley's out of the lineup? Where will he play? Uh,
2: I maybe mean, it can be the fourth fourth uh, offensive lineman he can also certainly do some things at first base dh and all those different things he's a versatile enough player that you can find a lot of things that he can do all right thank you john all right risco thank you 866-979-ESPN two zero six four two one espn john clayton shows 710 ESPN Seattle